Ibram mm-hmm. Kendi, whatever mm-hmm. the hell his name is. Okay, he's a fucking clown. All right, he's a joke. He is a human punchline. His ideas are stupid. They're expressed poorly. He's ridiculous. How else is he going to become successful? We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. A date which will live in infamy. I still have a dream. Good night and good luck. So I read a little bit about you, uh, to be honest with you. I didn't know uh, much about you before this weekend. Um, and well, that's inexcusable. Like, yeah. It sounds like you've had a, um, a quite an eclectic uh, life experience um, from communications and political science as an undergrad to the military, to writing novels, to stand-up comedy, to trial law. Um, it's, it's wild, all the, all the different uh, uh, things you've been involved with. Yeah, I get around. Yeah. I'm intellectually promiscuous. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when you were a kid, did you know that you were going to be interested in, in these various things that you wound up doing? I had a I kind of had a, uh, a notion of what I'd be doing along the way. Yeah. So I think it's uh, uh, I mean, I think uh, it uh, I, I'm not surprised where I ended up, I guess I could say. So did you write a lot when you were a teenager? Uh, I wrote a lot in college. Uh-huh. I always kind of, I always kind of wanted to be a writer. And so I just did it. Yeah. So uh, do you remember the, uh, the first novel that you wrote? I don't know that it was the one that was published, but the first time you project. I think I wrote some uh, crime novel in college. It's probably yeah. moldering somewhere, but, you know, it, it, who, it was Heinlein maybe, or, or Bradbury said you have to write a million words to clear out all the crap. Yeah. So yeah. after I that, ask, you know, maybe you have a shot. I think uh, Jerry Seinfeld might have a similar um, approach. Um, he, he did an awesome episode with Tim Ferriss a long time ago uh, where he sort of talked about his writing process and, it's like, listen, I, I sit down every day and I don't have to write, but I can't do anything else. And it's like, you just, you get to a point where you're, you're forcing yourself to do the activity and, and not really See, thinking about what you're doing. I never, I never have that. I, uh, I never force myself to write. I, uh, if I'm going to write, it's because I want to. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a good time manager. I always plan my life out in blocks and, you know, I have a block set away today to write the column for Thursday. And, uh, you know, I have to stick it in between appearances and other work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I never just for, I never have to force myself to write. If I'm sitting down to writing, I'm going to write. And if right. I'm, if, you know, that's that, just how it works. I'm also not afraid of writing. I am a lawyer. I I write thousands of words every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, a blank page doesn't worry me just like a, a crowd doesn't worry me I, I find it bizarre that there are people out there who are afraid to speak in public for instance mm-hmm. to me i always just assumed everybody absolutely wanted to hear what i had to say <laughs> I, I mean it's, it, it never occurred to me that they didn't why, why, why wouldn't they right um, but uh the same with writing i when i uh, actually talking about this weekend i just you know, I always knew I wanted to write books. So I just did. 
and uh, you know sold it. I did. Uh, I've done three traditional, five non-traditional. Uh, the last of which was Crisis, and that got to twenty nine on all of Amazon. And I'll have another one coming. Out. Thank you. I have another one coming out next month. Uh, interesting about writing. Well, I'll get to that in a sec. But uh, I, ju- I just decided I wanted to do it. I mean, the first novel you know that I published, I just decided I, I want to do it. So I did it. And uh, uh, it, it's very interesting. The, uh, the writing world has changed because I don't have to ask anybody's permission right. to do it. Uh, I, I, I do traditional books and they, 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 they happen differently. There's a longer process. There's a more formal editorial process. The timing's different. The way you get paid is different. Um, I do like the control that uh, the self-publishing tools give you because it's essentially transparent. I was talking to somebody today who's, you know, writing, uh, you know, publishing a novel this month and a good one. Uh, and uh, he's like, oh, man, I got to format it. And I'm like, it takes me like two hours. That's the easiest part. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's so easy to get out there. The barriers are so low to selling your work that it really becomes a situation where you're standing on your own. As opposed to, uh, you know, in the past, well, the, the publishing industry is, is terrible. Uh, much of it is devoted to people going to lunch with each other. It is inefficient. It is archaic. Uh, they have no idea what's going on. They don't know what's going to sell. I, don't, I, I mean, they, they have no better idea than you or I about what, <laughs> what, what, mm-hmm. what a good idea is going to be. And it's really kind of bizarre and now they have like much less power because the, the, the people who are doing really well, many of them started doing non-traditional like the guy who wrote The Martian. Mm-hmm. Now he writes regular books, but you know, if he got pissed off, he'd go, well, screw you. I'll just go on Amazon and publish it. And, I'll, for- I, and I'll keep 70% of the money right. as opposed to like 25. And I've heard, and I don't know if this has been your experience, um, but I, I have friends who are authors and I, I've heard that even if you get a publishing deal, you know, the advance may be nice, but if you don't sell your own book, they're not going to sell it for oh, you. They don't. They don't. Uh, my, my latest one, Regnery, has, is, is a little different. It's been very helpful. But look, they don't have time to sell books. They got to go to lunch. And frankly, <laughs> a lot of them don't know how to sell books. You know, I'll have people going, hey, Kurt, I got you on, you know, uh, you know, this religious station. And it's like, look, I'm religious. I like religious people. But that's not really the venue for, you know, one of Kurt Schlichter's right wing nonfiction books. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did my own. You know, I did a lot of my own publicity. I've got a pretty good Rolodex. I can call people up and get on their shows. Half my friends seem to be radio guys now. Mm -hmm. But um you know, the, the traditional ways of doing things, which you got to get on Fox. I didn't get on Fox for crisis. I still got to 29. Um, but you've built up a robust following of your own as well. Yes. Yeah. I've got 320,000 people who follow me on Twitter mm-hmm. and more on locals and some on Facebook and they know me. And um, I put out there, Hey, I'm, I've written a book, you know, a, a lot of them are going to go buy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't hurt that the books are pretty fun. <laughs> They've gotten very good. They got very good reviews. People, people have enjoyed them, which is, is very nice. 
I, I, I like hearing that people enjoy them. I have fun writing them. I don't consider it a chore. Do you know what happened? Do you know what's going to happen um, in the entire book when you sit down to write it? I mean, you figured all that out. So you you just let it roll. I I really do. I have a theme, you know, an idea. And I always have kind of a cold open for all my novels, like a James Uh Bond movie. Yeah. You know, the first 10 minutes mean don't relate at all to the rest of the book. And I, uh, uh, or movie, and uh, I kind of do that. But no, I, I have a general idea, but it comes out, you know, it, it always takes form and there's always a point where it clicks. The one I'm writing now, I'm at 65,000 words. Uh, I, I need to get to about 100. Mm-hmm. That's, that just sounds like about the right number for it. And I've got general ideas of the two sections I haven't written. You know, I wrote you know, basically the first half. Then I wrote a big, big action set piece. And then I wrote the last chapter. I like writing the last chapter uh, kind of you know, about a third of the way it process, because then I know where I'm going to get. Mm -hmm. So I can put all the pieces in place to get there. And, um, you know, then I, then I'll go back and polish it up, you know, oh, hey, I have to figure out, you know, how this guy, you know, got himself a Buick. Okay. (laughs) Here's where he steals a Buick. Uh, I, I I really hate continuity errors and plot holes Mm -hmm. and they bother me. So I, I will thread, I, I, I go through, uh, I'll, I'll go through to make sure I've got everything right. It's, it's also kind of weird reading your own stuff because I, I put my book down for like a week or two and I decide, well, instead of writing more, I'm going to, I'm going to read what I've written and kind of get in the vibe and I'm reading the stuff and it's like, I didn't read it. I'm like surprised by what happens. I'm like, oh, I, I didn't remember. I wrote that scene. That's a cool scene. And it's, uh. it's kind of a fun process. And then of course you're polishing it, you know, you change words here or there, uh, try and make them a more evocative. Uh, I've got, I've developed kind of an interesting, it's interesting to me, a unique style, particularly in my columns. Um, And and, and it kind of comes in the books too. Uh, I don't think anybody writes like me. I don't think there are a lot of people who used to be stand-ups and also have a a degree from the war college. So I kind of have this, bizarre unusual voice but it's a unique one no nobody sounds like me i i, I think there I've, I've i've actually seen people who dislike me try and write like me and it's just it's just not real it's just not who they are so they shouldn't do it right you know you should you should do what you do create so, your own so ha- has your experience as an attorney um formed the, the 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 stories that you write in any way because no I, no not, not no. so much no i mean i might as well sell shoes uh-huh. you know it's not I mean, look my, my mom was a judge and a lawyer when i was growing up so i, I there is no romance to being a lawyer i'm di- distinctly unimpressed by it mm-hmm. it's just a job i mean yeah there's some skills and sometimes it's fun yeah. and it, sometimes you you know I'm working on a project right now where I'm out thinking the other side before he even knows I'm going to attack. Uh, I, I, I prefer to win my cases before they even know I'm fighting. I think that's kind of a military side thing. But, you know, I mean, being a lawyer does give you experience, you know, forming arguments, uh, picking holes in other arguments. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessary. I mean, I, I don't think it's not useful. Uh, some people are impressed by it. 
it's kind of, you know, I, I think I get away with being a lot more obnoxious than I would otherwise if I couldn't say, yeah, I was a colonel and a lawyer. Right, right. I'm like, but, but you, you see, you have like achievements I can understand. And then on Twitter, you basically insulted my mother. Right. I'm like, yeah, it's called a conundrum. So tell me about your first job. Uh, Carl's Jr. sweeping out toilets for 310 an hour in Foster City, California. Wow. Was it. You ever think about going back? I, 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 all the time. <laughs> I, I think everybody should have a, uh, uh, a I'm not going to call it a shitty job, though I thought it was shitty at the time. Uh, I think everybody should have a tough job that uh, doesn't give you false ego. Mm-hmm. You know, working on something where you're dealing with human beings, which is always a challenge. And where, you know, it's just not pleasant. There's so many people who I, 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 you know, I came to law school after being in the Gulf War. So Mm -hmm. I was like, I had been a platoon leader in a war and I get there and most of these kids were right out of college. Did you just mop up in terms of just the, the, the psychological demand of law school? Were you just overly prepared compared to everyone in your class? Uh, I was, uh, well, I mean, I partied my ass off, yeah. but no, I, I, I never went into class unprepared. It never occurred to me. I was an officer. Mm-hmm. You, my mission is to be prepared. I was going to be prepared. Now that didn't mean I didn't party. Like I said, I partied uh, and it was never hard, mm-hmm. but I was always prepared. I, if the teacher called on me, I'd read the cases and I, at least to the extent I could, I understood them. Other people weren't like that. Other people had never had a job. Uh, I went to Loyola, which is a lot. Uh, it's mostly the rich kids who couldn't get into USC or UCLA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was around a lot, of, a lot of folks with money and stuff, which I was not. And, um, you know, they, they never worked at Carl's Jr. They never worked at all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I had jobs since I was 16. And, of course, I'd been in the Army for three and a half years, four years. Uh, just before, so I was a little different than all of them, and I think I, I think I scared the shit out of a lot of them. Uh, surprised them too. I yeah, there was a writing contest to get on the law review. You didn't just get on by grades, and uh, you know everybody tried to get on the law review. I made it, and people were like, "How the army guy make it?" And I'm like, "God, I just how, thought how you were dumb it... because you were in the military." Yeah, and I'm like, you know. I met some dumb people in the army, but that was not the, that was not the standard, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, I, I actually went back into the army in the guard, at least during law school, I guess I missed it. Uh, ended up in Los Angeles riots, uh, wow. with uh third battalion, 160th infantry for three weeks. And, uh, but yeah, I, so I came out kind of like a different world from a lot of these guys and they didn't know what to make of me. And I wasn't particularly interested in them or impressed mm-hmm. with, with that. I mean, there were people who, you know, were smart or had, you know, my, my, I met my law partner, uh, first day of law school Wow. and, uh, you know, good guy. And, uh, uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I just always felt I was a little, I mean, I was a little different. I was a little older. I had some real world experience and I was kind of focused on what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I, um, um, grew up, I went to a very small public school in the middle of nowhere, Illinois. And, um, my dad didn't make any money until 
like three or four years before I went to college. So I sort of grew up like on a budget, but then right when it was important that I had money, I could like go anywhere I wanted to college kind of thing. That's it was, nice. It was nice. And I, I noticed something really interesting. I went to um, Belmont university in Nashville, Tennessee, which is a small private school, uh-huh. Christian school. And I, um, when I went there, every, all of them had virtually, virtually all of them had either been homeschooled or gone to a private school. Huh. And I noticed, um, that, and this is just, a, this is just anecdotal stereotype. Okay. So I noticed that, um, the private school kids had like no sense of hustle and like, <laughs> you know, sort of like resourcefulness, right. Because resources were never, had never been an issue. Yeah. And, um, I'm torn like as a new dad, um, thinking about what I want to do with my daughter in terms of private versus public school, because obviously, you know, you, you, you were likely to get a better education at private school, but isn't there value in going to public school because it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's great value to doing things that suck. I, you know, I, uh, I, I work out three days a week with a guy named Kurt, uh, who big muscle guy, and he's very, very fit. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep in shape. You know, I don't want to be one of those old guys who's decrepit and everything. And uh, I can't lift what I used to lift. I'm not in as good a shape. I'm probably heavier than I should be. Uh, but he said something very nice to me. He said, you know, you know. You got mental toughness. You don't bitch. I tell you, you do 10, you do 10, even if it's hard, you don't complain about it. And I, I'm like, I, I don't come from a world where complaining works. Right. But, I mean, the military's, the military's not like that. Law isn't like that, or at least not the kind I do. Excuses don't get you very far. Mm-hmm. You just got to do it. And there are a lot of people who've never said, there are a lot of parents out there who uh, refuse to say no to their kids. For some reason, they want their kids to like them, and they think that by not being their parent, they will like them. And it's like, it never works. Their kids always despise them because that's what kids do. So I'm, you know, my feelings always been kind of like, I don't care what you think. You know, here, here's how it's got to be. Get it done. I just don't care. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's, there's a lot of value to that. You know, you've just got, uh, and, and a lot of people have never known that. A lot of people have never had, a lot of people have never done anything hard. You see it with the COVID epidemic, right? You've got, there are a lot of people out there, Chase, who, who for, this is going to be the most exciting thing that's happened to them in their life. One of the, something that's disrupted the paradigm that's been completely different than everything else. Which is ironic, of course, because it was exciting in that. You had to stay home and watch Netflix, which is typically well, very boring. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, but it's like when you're part of something big, like a war or the riots, you feel differently. Mm-hmm. There's a level of excitement there. Now, I'm not saying it's fun in, in, in the typical sense. And I'm not saying it's a that I wish it to happen. I feel kind of like a fireman. I don't want your house to burn down, but if it does, I want to put it out. Mm-hmm. But it's a very exciting thing. And, and a lot of people have never felt that. Mm-hmm. And then this, you know, you go into a supermarket and for the first time, there's shit not on the, on the shelves. Right. And that's different. I think that's why so many people watch, you know, garbage like The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Because they wonder, if all this went away, what would I do? And here it kind of did, but you're totally safe, Right. It's like, you know, you're risking being the 0.001% of normal, healthy people who die from this thing. So there's technically a risk, but it's not really risky. 
But for a lot of people, this is a highlight of their life. This is a highlight. They will tell their kids about this. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think I'll barely remember it. <laughs> I think there's um, I'll, some sort of like what I like to refer to as generational envy in that. And I, I experience it too. Um, when I go, when, if I watch, for example, um, uh, um, Saving Private Ryan or Band of Brothers, the TV series on HBO, I, there's a part of me and it, it's probably out of some sort of immaturity, but there's a part of me that's like, man, I wish that I would have been able to have fought in like, you know, good, this so clearly good versus evil thing. And I think the civil well, rights movement, right. It was, yeah, like, it, no, no, I think no, people you're, wish you're, that they could have fought in the civil rights movement. So they're well, sort of yeah. recreating one, you know? Yeah. I mean, look, having been in a war is a great, having been in a war is a great thing. Being in a war, maybe not so great, uh, but a lot of guys, you know, grow up on a farm. Suddenly they're in fricking France fighting the Nazis in a battle that, you know, they're making movies about. And then they go back to life and they work at a carpet factory. And it, it is the highlight of their life. Now, that that seems to me to be a worthy, you know, highlight. transcendent moment in your life. Yeah. I mean, if you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, I was in Omaha Beach. OK, pretty good high point. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people are going to exceed that. But, you know, you're doing pretty well. Um but yeah, I mean, people want to be part of big things, part, part of history. I mean, I, you know, I, look, I, I ran a heavily armed car wash in Desert Storm. OK, so I, I wasn't like saving Private Ryan. I was sure. more like decontaminating his half track. Um, but uh, I was in places where I heard radio calls from generals to colonels that I later read about in books. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's kind of a that's kind of cool. You know, I, I would, you know, when they made the decision not to attack, you know, this particular armored division, I was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, that's kind of a cool thing. I yeah. Mean, I, I don't know if it's a highlight of my life, but it was, I would not, I would not miss that experience for the world. I wouldn't miss my experience in basic training, my experience in Oscar Candidate school, even though that sucked and probably the worst 14 weeks of my life. <laughs> but, you know, I think those are, uh, I, I think shitty experiences are important too. Well, I think um, there could be a component of it too, where people are really yearning for something to live or die for um, that's noble and heroic. And I think that somehow in America, we're moving away from people finding out for themselves what's going to fulfill them versus just sort of doing what's expected of them and expecting that to fulfill them. Right. So like you always knew you were going to write and 99% of people will say, Oh, you don't want to be a writer. They don't make any money, but you didn't give a shit. You were just doing what you were interested in. Yeah. I never, I right. never asked anybody. I, I knew I was good and I would, I've always assumed I'd succeed at whatever I put my mind to. Right. Right. I, so I mean, you, it's not like ego. It's just, I, you know, if I work hard enough, I'm going to do it. Right. I wouldn't right. Well, and you can, you can, you can tell yourself that you're good enough without telling yourself that you're better than everybody else. I think people, miss I don't compare myself to anybody else. Right. I, I'm not in a competition. I'm uh, although, uh, well, I, look, I am competitive, but I don't see myself in a competition. I'm not, well, I'm going to write a book to show so-and-so it's like, I'm going to write a book and Oh, if it sells better, Hey, cool. I win. And if mm-hmm. it doesn't, well, I got another book in me. We'll see then. So where do you think uh, America is headed over the next 10 years? Uh, I think it'll work, get worse before it gets better. I think there's going to be a backlash to this critical race theory idiocy. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friends who are very deep into polling and politics, uh, you know, the mechanics of politics, the actual science as opposed to the art, 
uh, tell me that critical race theory is pulling right there with herpes uh, in popularity. Uh, right. it's well, everybody over. has it. <laughs> exactly. And it doesn't <laughs> seem like you can get rid of it. Uh, the um, the uh, uh, even liberal moms are getting sick of this. You know, their kids come home and go, hi, mom, we're all racist. Did you know that? And it's like, OK, and even a liberal woman's going to go, no, that's most of them. No, that's that's a lie. That's simply not true. Why am I? Why is the school I'm paying for, whether privately or publicly, uh, why making you lie? And they don't like it. Now, I mean, there are some people who really like it. Uh, they are never the ones who are expected to pay the costs of it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it's it's always somebody else who's privileged. You know, who's you know, poor and objectively less privileged in every way, who's really the privileged one. When when you see a billionaire hand over all his billions uh, to a bunch of uh, people based on where their great-great-grandfather came from, let me know, because it ain't ever going to happen. But if it did, I'd be very interested in hearing about it. Um, Yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, again, it's every The thing about America is it was built by hard men, who did tough things and they create a place so safe and secure and prosperous that we can tolerate frivolous nitwits. You know, there was this, uh, I, I saw on Twitter today, uh, National Geographic, how far it's fallen, had, uh, had a picture of this, uh, uh, you know, human walrus. I mean, she she obviously had not missed a meal, shaved half her head, you know, pierced. I mean, she looks exactly like what you'd expect to waddle out of a gender studies program at Gumbo State. And she says, I, you know, I'm ashamed of uh, I'm ashamed of my my the race of my ancestors. And it's like, holy shit. How. How wonderful a society do we have when someone feels not only safe enough, but secure enough to, you know, economically and socially to spew that kind of idiocy with the expectation not only that people aren't going to point at punch her uh, or point and laugh at her, but some will celebrate her. Look, I was in Kosovo, okay? I know a little about Balkanizations because I lived in the Balkans. And my job was to keep Group A from committing genocide on Group B, which they would do in a heartbeat. So when people start, you know, when people people start separating by race, uh, you know, I, I've been at the bottom of the slippery slope and it looks like a it looks like ruins. Okay, it looks like smoldering burnt villages. And I've been there. And, you know, I mean, how ridiculous. What a ridiculous person. All of society should laugh at this woman and hurt her feelings. So maybe she'll learn. But it's so. And the thing is, she's absolutely she's not only safe in certain quarters, she's going to be celebrated. Mm -hmm. And for what? saying exactly what everybody all her friends want to hear Ooh, you know mm-hmm. dodge that bullet well what's crazy to me is how um how hated i think mlk would be by the left today because his whole i have a dream speech is literally judge on the content of character not the color of skin and well, so this idea that your immutable quality of your race makes you inherently racist 
or suffering some sort of white fragility or, or whatever is just totally antithetical to the whole civil rights movement, in my opinion. Well, it, well, of course it is. But remember, it's all about power. It's about short term yeah. power for people who are unaccomplished and can't do it in any other way. I mean, look at uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Abdul Kendi, what's it? Ibrahim Kendi, Ibram mm-hmm. Kendi, whatever the mm-hmm. hell his name is. OK, he's a fucking clown. All right. He's a joke. He is a human punchline. His ideas are stupid. They're expressed poorly. He's ridiculous. How else is he going to become successful? I mean, really? I mean, I mean, what what are his options that he's found dumb people who are willing to pay him for his idiotic harangues is you know, the greatest thing that could have happened to him. I understand why people are milking it. It's immoral. I'd never do anything like that. Um, But I have self-respect. I also have uh, competence. So it's not like I have to, you know, grift the rubes uh, of uh, Manhattan and Santa Monica uh, to make a living, you know, but he does. These are unaccomplished people. There are no one associated with critical race theory has any kind of accomplishment other than, in rare cases, election to political office to the extent that's an accomplishment. That's it. I mean, you, you, look, you look at these people. They, what, what have they ever done? Well, they've explored deeply uh, the transsexual influences on 15th century Bolivian poetry. Okay, doesn't count as an achievement, non-achievement, not even interesting. It, 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 God, somebody, somebody, wise guy once said, you know, feminism exists so ugly girls have something to do while the pretty ones are dating. It depends on what you mean when you say feminism. I mean, well, yeah. you mean women should but, be able to vote? Okay, no, I mean, so radical, I mean radical right, feminism. Right, today's feminism is basically well, just all men are dogs. Well, normal women now are like, I'm not a feminist because that has a meaning. Right. And it's not just, hey, women should be treated, you know, generally the same as men uh, with, you know, some exceptions uh, because of biology. For instance, I don't think women should be drafted. Right. Uh, I don't think men should ever be called mothers, mm-hmm. you know. It, it, it's are you, you still me? there i'm oh. still here i don't know oh, I'm, I'm still here if you can okay. see me. yeah just keep talking yeah but uh uh i i i think for a lot of people these uh, you know ideas like basic fairness like uh uh martin luther king expounded on are accepted by most normal all normal people Mm-hmm. OK, there are not a lot of people out there who uh, at least at least on the uh, the towards minority side are, are anything like a white supremacist. I think most people I mean, I, I don't when's the last time you met somebody going, you know, you know what? Other races are worse than my race. It's just like, you'd be I, I like could, you know, I, I have yeah, maybe, it, it, maybe one or two people in my life yeah, that, that, I mean, that genuinely just, felt that way. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, it, you know, it's just, it, it's just not part of our experience. It's very passe. But, well, it's just tacky <laughs> and socially on at, at, at the, at the, at the, at the threshold level. It's tacky. Mm-hmm. It's un-American. It's unchristian, whatever. Uh, it's just not done. And, 
you know, I mean, I, I hang around with a lot of hardcore conservatives who are supposed to be deeply racist. And the thing that if you want to delight conservatives, uh, show them someone who's a minority who agrees with them mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. about freedom and about family and about values. Uh, you know, I mean, they 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 absolutely adore it. Uh, then you get on the other side where you get essentially rich white liberals who are, uh, you know, playing at guilt uh, for something they didn't do for people who weren't wronged. And, you know, stupid college students mm-hmm. and the politicians who love. Them. So it's just it, it, the, 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 the general fairness where you shouldn't be treated differently. You shouldn't be treated badly because of your immutable characteristics. Right. Is, is well established. But that's, of course, not what CRT is about. CRT is about leveraging uh, bullshit, uh, racist, and, and real racist notions uh, in order to get short term power. Of course, in the long term, that's a bad idea. The, the you know, one, one thing I, I, I have thought for a long time is one of America's greatest achievements is its majority race never really thought of itself as a race. And that gets critiqued. Oh, you know, everybody assumes whiteness. Well, no, they, they didn't. They just sort of assumed something. And most of those people, you know, because they're most Americans, were white. I've been in a place where everyone thinks first, here's my ethnicity. Right. America was not like that, at least for the vast majority of people. And I think a vast majority of people in most races. Uh, why would anyone be insane enough to try and make that a reality? Why would they try and change that? This is a great gift mm-hmm. in America in the last hundred years. Right. And, and they just want to throw it away because, you know, hey, I think I can get, you know, hey, I'm Professor Kendi and I can get a slight edge. And then things don't remain static. The last, oh gosh. So the, the last thing you want is some sort of horrible, horrible, uh, true balkanization. Uh, it's awful. I, I've seen it. So I want to be uh, conscientious of your time. I know you only had about 30 minutes this afternoon. Uh, so on sort of a final note, um, what do you think the way out is for, oh. for America to get out of this, this well, bullshit? I, I think there's going to be a, I, I think there's a growing response against it because it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And people sense that when, you know, you go to a normal person and you go, Hey, that person over there, you know, his grandfather came from Norway, so we should treat him worse. And normal people are like, no, that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, right. then you're bad, too. And they're like, no, I'm I'm not bad. Americans are very polite, you know, and there was a time that if you went up to somebody and go, okay, I really think you're racist, a person would go, oh, shit. Oh, man, I better take a personal inventory. Am I doing because no one would ever say that. Unless they really thought I better, you know, I better check myself and make sure I'm not doing something wrong. And now it's like, fuck you, <laughs> because it's because it's become, you know, you you can only cry wolf so many times before people stop taking you seriously, and that's that's not the situation we want. I I would like a a, a country where people took it seriously. I would like a country where people, you know, but but then again. That also means it's a company, country where you wouldn't really have to take it seriously because you'd be so such a, a fringe, minor thing that statistically it's just not going to come up. 
But now you've got a bunch of people making it come up everywhere and all the time. And I think that's a bad idea. Well, um, thank you so much for agreeing to hop on for a, a few minutes this afternoon. I appreciate sure. it. And thank you. Uh, thank you for your service in the military as well. Oh, I was a colonel. I didn't do shit. <laughs> I appreciate it nonetheless. And um, uh, one more time before we get off, uh, can you let us know about um, uh, your new book coming out next next month? Called and the where Split, to find and it's um, the sixth in the Kelly Turnbull action novels. It's out there on Amazon. Uh, if you want to check out uh, People's Republic, it's always fun. To, that's a that's a fun one. And then you can read the others if you like them. Follow me on Twitter. Go to my locals community where all thing there all things Kurt. And uh, read my town hall stuff every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then on Fridays, I uh, I do a little five or six minute. Uh, stream of consciousness video which is always amazing awesome well again i really appreciate it thank you so much i've really enjoyed this time and um uh, have a great rest of your week thanks a lot adios take care we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing not because they are easy but because they are hard mr gorbachev tear down this wall a date which will live in infamy. I still have a dream. Good night and good luck.